For the first time, the very, very first time, I really believed them, that my relationship status did not change me, and that even if other people didn't agree, every single person in this room had my back without hesitation. I was with them, and they were with me, and we were with each other. A community within a community within a community. No questions asked. No proof needed. No valid form of identification required. We just belonged because we belonged. Perfect on Paper by Sophie Gonzalez. Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Diana, and this is the Strange Love Book Club. A podcast where we talk about queer books. And today we are talking about Perfect on Paper. Woohoo! Yay! All right, folks. So as always, we are going to start out with our 30-second recaps. Caitlin, would you like to go first or second? I can go first. All right. Wow. Stuffing up to the plate. All right. Well, let's do this. Let me count you in. Are you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So this is a book about our main character, Darcy, and she writes advice to people through this locker in her school, like anonymously. Um, And one day she's getting the letters out of the locker and this boy, Broham, sees her and he's like, hey, you're writing the advice. I want you to help me out um, to get his girlfriend back, whatever. Um, And then they like become friends and um, Darcy's queer and is in queer and questioning and they're all fun and she has friends, but she screws over her best friend and she ends up with Broham and everything's resolved. That was 30 seconds. All right. Good job. (laughs) I don't think I did a good job. All right. All right. Let me go. Let me reset this. Okay. All right. Count me in. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so Darcy thinks Brome is blackmailing her, but he's really not because he's a huge sweetheart and he has an anxious person at anxious relation, whatever it's called. And um, they go to Disneyland and that doesn't really work out. And she inadvertently sets up her best friend who she's in love with with another girl. And then she also screws over her best friend a couple times. And um, uh, she ends up with Brome and they affirm her bisexuality, which is really cool. And um, she starts a website for her dating advice. Okay, I got really what a- anxious attachment style. That was the phrase I was looking for. Broham has an anxious attachment style. Yeah. All right, so up next, we like to do five star ratings for different criteria in the book. So, Caitlin, for perfect on paper, what would you give the writing style out of five stars? Let's give it a four. Sophie's good. She's very like clear, concise. I liked her writing. I mean, I will say I listened to this on audiobook, which I listened to it all in one sitting, which is a lot for me. Um, but it was so good that, it, you know, like it was it was a good audiobook, so it wasn't bad. Yeah, I think the test of like a good audiobook is, or how how clearly a writer writes, is if the audiobook is really easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. She writes very clearly. I'd give it a four too, though, just because like her writing didn't like sweep me away either, you know, but it was very effective in what it set out to do. So I'd I'd give it a four as well. All right, Caitlin, what about plot? Ooh, this is a good plot. Let's, let's give it also a four on plot. See, I'm going to go four too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is like a solid, like really solid, but like, I feel like this is a lot of YA. Like, I'm like, did it change me? 
No, but it's so solid. It's so solid. I don't I don't know if that doesn't make sense, but it's so solid. Yeah, I feel like there's not much to complain about, you know, yeah. to where it's not getting a lower score. And I did really enjoy it, but it's just like not quite a five either. Yeah. All right. So let's do humor. What would you rate the humor of the book? Um, Like a three. I don't remember this book being funny. I think I'm going to give it like a a 3.5, I think, because I can't really remember it being that funny, but I remember listening to it and laughing a couple times. It's not not funny. Yeah, I think Ainsley's funny. Yeah, Ainsley was funny. Like the whole scene where it's like the ghost of relationships past or whatever. Yeah. She said in that was really funny. Um. But yeah, it wasn't like the most hilarious book I've ever read, for sure. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, 3.5. All right, what would you rate the romance? Ooh, um, let's give it a four. Let's get, again, very solid. Um, Broham was like such a YA um, love interest. Like, <laughs> the fact that he's Australian was too much for me. Like, when I started playing the audiobook and like, I feel like it starts off and like he's like immediately talking, you know, like he's yeah, whatever. Um, and I was like, of course, of course he's, I literally was like, is he Australian? And then like a couple paragraphs later, they're like, he's Australian. Like that's why he has the accent. And I was like, screw you guys. <laughs> you know, what's funny too is with the audiobook, like Darcy, he, so he's talking and then Darcy says like he has this stupid British accent. And when I was listening to it, I was like, that doesn't sound British. Like, I know my British accents. That doesn't sound British. And then he was like, oh, I'm Australian. And I was like, I knew it. I felt, like, very validated in that. But, yeah, him being Australian is very, like, um, oh, my God, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, You know, where it's like Heath Ledger is just Australian because, like, he was Australian in real life. I think I literally said that to Kayla when we were listening. Because me and Kayla listened to it in the car on our way to visit Alex um name dropping my friends here hopefully they listen to this and they get joy out of that but um, hey, I literally and, said that Kayla and Alex if you're listening to this episode text Caitlin to let her know that you you heard her name drop that you guys because otherwise we're gonna know you don't listen to this yeah honestly um but yeah I literally and it's just like they were too lazy to, or like they didn't want to make him like not use his accent like yeah yeah definitely big 10 things I hate about you vibes yeah I think I would give the romance, like, a 4.5. Like, it wasn't really, like, that romantic of a book, but, like, they were really cute, and Brom was, like, very endearing. They had a good, like, I mean, I was going to say friends to lovers, but is it, like, enemies friends to lovers? I would say, like, bad first impression to friends to lovers. Friends to lovers, Okay. A slight difference, slight difference yeah. between that and enemies to lovers. I'm trying to think if I had anything else I wanted to say about their romance. Oh, I was gonna say, um, I I love reading about boys with anxious attachment styles. <laughs> I like my. Oh, I've said this before. I like my. Um, I like my girls to be mean and my boys to be sweethearts, like in like characters, like that's how I write um, 
boys and girls. And so I, I like my boys to have anxious attachment styles. I like my girls to have avoidant attachment styles. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. So what would you give this book overall? Once again, it's a four from me. <laughs> yeah, I know I gave the book like pretty much fours across the board, but I think on Goodreads, I gave it a five. You did it give it a five. Good. I saw that. Yeah, it was good. Like it got the job done. I don't know, like I was entertained. So like, why wouldn't I give it a five, you know? Because again, this is just based on, you have a system for how you decide these things. Mm -hmm. I don't have a system. I just go based on instinct and my instinct is telling me it's a five. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Alrighty, so let's just jump straight into questions, Caitlin. So my first question for you is, did you learn anything that you didn't know about relationships from Darcy's advice? You know what? I'm glad you asked this question. Um, This book made me realize, and you know this because I've talked about it constantly since I realized this, um, that I have an anxious avoidant or fearful avoidant, they're the same Mm -hmm. thing, um, attachment style. Which is when, which is the word, the one where she's like freaking out and when Rome kisses her or something. I think that's when it happens. And she's like, oh my God, I'm fearful of avoiding Like, oh. Um, and everyone's like, Darcy, shut up. Um, which I thought that was a funny part. But yeah, it made me realize that I'm anxious avoidant, which is when you like crave relationships, but as soon as they're like in front of you, you push them away. You like flip your attachment style. So that was a fun realization. Wow, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What about you? Um, I think the main thing I learned was that I'm always right when I'm giving people advice about relationships and mm-hmm. they just need to take my advice more. <laughs> but more importantly, I think I what helped with this book for me, like as a writer, writing relationships is it helped me figure out like, it kind of helped me break down like the different types of like reasons why you might like push some away, someone away or get like very clingy. Mm-hmm. And like, that was just like nice to have that like broken down because I've never had it broken down for me like that before. So sometimes you're kind of like wondering like why people are doing the things they are doing. And obviously like the attachment styles kind of simplifies it, but sometimes yeah. like having that foundation I just think that's really interesting and it's going to help me as a writer and also as just a human being interacting with other human beings. And I'm joking, I always give good relationship advice, but sometimes I do and people should listen to me. Great. Okay, next question. Um, So most of the cast of characters in this book are part of the queer community. How did this impact the story? I think it made the story just really lovely to read because sometimes... And I think this is kind of actually our last episode we did was on Check, Please. And I think this was something that Lauren and I, um, we had our our, our guest host, Lauren, on it. And I think that was something that we kind of critiqued about Check, Please, which is that you have like the main queer couple and then you don't really like it was a huge cast of characters, but you don't really have any other queer folks. Um, And that that felt like a like a limitation of the story. Whereas in this case, it was so delightful because it wasn't just that Darcy was queer, like there were so many other characters whose sexuality like 
or gender identity weren't at the forefront, but that it was a part of them. Um, and it just made it like, it made it feel more real. Um, and it just, I don't know, it really brought to light the whole spectrum of sexuality, which is nice because oftentimes uh, queer stories don't get to do that. Um, they really focus on one person or one couple. What about yeah. you? I love this shit. You know what? I just ate it up. It was so good. Um, I loved two things that I'll point out that I specifically loved. Um, obviously, our main character being bi was great. But I loved um, Brome's best friend was the most popular boy, like popular senior was gay. Just mm-hmm. love that. Love that. Um, and then I liked that um Darcy's sister Ansley was trans and I liked the like connection that like Ansley like founded queer and questioning like at the high school and like paved the way for like her little sister like that was sweet um and I just yeah I love that like literally everyone except Brom I guess like pretty much I mean and like the parents but like all the other characters like side characters were queer yeah, I mean, they pretty much all were so, so good Brome was like our token straight guy. I know. And you it know was what? Refreshing. That's how all books should be. Yeah. I saw what I said. We need like one sweetheart straight guy and the rest need to be queer. Yeah. It's just fun. It's more fun that way. And also it like. Was, it was quite fun. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I can't speak to high school because I'm no longer in high school, but at least like. Since I've been out of high school, basically I, everyone I know is queer and there are a lot more of us than some might think. So like, I feel like it was like more reflective of like, like the people I see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think some, someone else who like maybe a straight person, maybe not, but someone who's just not really interacted with many queer people in their life, like might read this book and be like, this is unrealistic they wouldn't all be queer whereas for me I'm like this is so realistic and it's really really validating um yeah so yeah I love you know what I'm rooting for everyone from high school that is now out I'm rooting for them I'm like back in high school we were just vibing you know no (laughs) one no one was out so I'm like you know like at least in our high school like queer and questioning would never be a thing um but I, so I just, I'm rooting and they don't, they don't know. I don't talk to like most of the people from high school. Literally. I talk to like Kendall and Sydney, more name dropping. Um, we get it. You have friends. We get it. I know, I know. Um, so I don't talk to anyone, but I'm rooting for them. So if anyone finds our podcast and went to high school with me and is now queer or out, know that I'm in your corner. Yeah. You know what? I second that. If any of you guys are listening and you went to high school with me first of all i'm sorry <laughs> second of all I'm, I'm here for you buddy yeah dm us <laughs> all right go ahead and ask another question oh wait or is it my turn your turn okay sorry all right caitlin so my next question for you is how do you think the other characters helped or made it harder for darcy to feel comfortable dating a boy so i feel like brooke made it harder um, by just like her comments that were like whatever she said like oh like basically implying that like once you're in if you if you are a queer person dating a straight person like th- then you're 
straight. Not, not that that's not what she was. She was implying that like if you are bisexual and you are date and like you are a bisexual one and you are dating a man, that like you automatically no longer have to deal with any of the struggles that come along with like homophobia mm-hmm. and whatever. But like that is wrong, and having people invalidate your identity is a struggle of but like that bi folks have to deal with yeah yeah I wouldn't say that very eloquently but I think you know what I'm trying to say I said it less eloquently so like you killed it um and then I think Ansley I will say Ansley I feel was like very supportive I feel like she was just like who's this pretty boy like I feel like did she didn't she talk about Brom like that like why is he so hot and why is he here um but I feel like she supported um Darcy like her relationship with Broham. So I feel like that's one good, one bad. You know what though? I And it's hard because I can't go back because I also listened to it on audiobook. I really think at the very beginning of the story though, Ansley said something that implied that like Darcy kind of like bristled over and it was something to do with like, oh, like you've liked like the past like couple people you've liked is a girl or have been girls. So like, I'm kind of surprised that like, whatever, like that you might like a boy or something like that. It was at the very beginning. And I'm I just sure that was Ansley. I thought that was her dad. Okay. Maybe it was her dad. Maybe it was her dad. I really thought it was Ainsley though, because I remember thinking it was like weird. Like it was earlier than when like Brom comes over to her dad's house, which is why I thought it was Ainsley. And she, like, mentions, like, her. I think in that moment she, like, mentions her dad as well. And she's, like, I don't have time to explain why, like, to Ansley, like, why that was stupid. It doesn't matter. Like, it's it's it doesn't happen- matter. It's happening within her own family. And it's happening, like, within the queer community as well. Regardless yeah. of who I'm misremembering, it still happened with Brooke. Um, which is just interesting. Like, it's, like, I think that's something that, like, not that this doesn't happen with other sexualities, but I feel like it is, like, a sort of unique thing of biphobia, which is that, like, it really can come from anyone because, mm-hmm. like, the dominant experience is being attracted to one gender, regardless of if it's your own or another. So it's just, like, interesting and frustrating that, like, it can kind of come at you from all sides. And studies, like, show that, too, that, like, yeah. um, especially with queer women that um I don't want to get I don't want to get this wrong but I've like read articles that talk about how like lesbians are more likely to like think by by women are like more attracted to men or actually attracted only to men anyways so that's just like frustrating maybe I'll link the article on our Instagram or something so people can read what I'm talking about but it's just very troubling yeah Great. Um, well, this is very similar to my next question, kind of leads into that. Um, what did you think about Queer and Questioning's Q&Q club, if you will, um, their discussion around Darcy's bisexuality? I almost didn't realize. It's very interesting. I don't know if it's just because I'm also bisexual. And so I like also hear the crap that Darcy had heard over the course of the story. I almost didn't realize like how badly Darcy needed to hear that from her, Mm -hmm. from her friends and the people in that club. 
And so when it happened, I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, it's going to happen. Like, they're all going to, like, have her back. And then they did. And, and it was so nice that kind of the first person to, like, affirm her was Ray. Because after everything Darcy had done to right on, Ray, yeah, I know, right? Like, after everything Darcy had done to Ray, like, Ray has, like, no real, like, reason to kind of, like, support this girl. Like, if she didn't support Darcy, not, not, not to say, like, sh- if she was actively biphobic, but if she just, like, didn't say anything, I think, like, most people could understand why she wouldn't, because Darcy has been, like, sabotaging her life. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, the fact that she was one of the first people who was, like, no, like, you are bi, like, it doesn't change just depending on who you're dating, like, and we've got your back. I thought that was so beautiful. And it was really nice. Yeah. I will say I love this shameless push of like the author's agenda, you know, like I read um, like um, Sophie Gonzalez wrote like a big post on Goodreads about this book. Um, I'm going to read a little uh, quote from it. All right. you. This is at its core, a very queer story. This story is for everyone, but especially it is for my bi and my pan readers. You are queer because you are and who you've, who you fall for, who you date and or kiss doesn't alter that. No one can change you. Um, so I just loved, I love that. And I'm like, I love that this was YA. Mm-hmm. So just like, I'm like, would love reading this shit at like 17. Would have, would have eaten it up. I ate it up now, but I was like, this is so good. I like that. Again, we push that agenda and that's what I think writing should be. Even fiction, push your gay agenda. <laughs> or your bisexual agenda in this case. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting. I thought it was, like, really fitting for a YA book that this was, like, it was so blatant. I don't mean that in a bad way, but that, like, it was, she was being very firm in, like, where she stood on this issue. Um, and, like, it really, really worked. And I think it's because, like, very subtly throughout, Darcy is getting comments that Mm -hmm. could, like, obviously influenced her. So the last question I have for you is, do you think the school overreacted when they found out about Darcy's business? Um, no, I I feel like that's just juicy gossip, you know, like they, I, I think it was like a very suiting reaction you know, like a bunch of high schoolers find out like who's giving them all this love advice and they're kind of embarrassed that they like asked for it. Like, I don't know. Um, it was a little dramatic when they were all like fighting over their letters and stuff. That was a tad dramatic. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a proportional reaction. Um, I thought the adults, well, <laughs> it was funny. They're like, you have to get back all the money. And then she's like, I've made thousands of dollars. And her mom's like, what? She's like, yeah, I've made thousands of dollars. Um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, I didn't think that the kids were, I thought the kids were reacting the way I would react. Like if I had a letter in that locker and I found out she opened that locker, the absolute horror I would feel is like, wow. I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. If you were in high school, would you put a letter in that locker? I mean, I didn't have a lot of relationship issues um, in high school. Maybe. Me neither, but I was like, I would never do that. 
I mean, maybe. Well, if it was anonymous, like if you were both anonymous, like I would make a fake email for it. I guess that's true. Like maybe I would have, but I was like, eh, I don't know. That sounds really embarrassing. Even though it's not, they just need advice. So no hate to those kids. But I agree. I thought the parents like- Those fake fictional kids. No hate. <laughs> yeah, no hate to those fictional kids. Uh, <laughs> um, but I do think that the parents, like the school- they were like, you can't give, you can't just give out advice, Darcy. And I like didn't fully understand that. I was like, I feel like she can. Like, what is the big deal here? And then like the mom, like, like the mom was just being so dramatic. And I've been saying recently, like with w- reading and watching like what stuff about teenagers, I was like, oh wow, I didn't realize like I like how much I've grown up since high school until I like I've just watched a couple shows recently, like lo- the second season of Love Simon. And just, like, mm-hmm. been reading some YA books recently to where I've been, like, wow, they're making decisions that I would never, ever make. Those are bad, foolish, just, like, teenager decisions. And I was, like, wow, I guess I've matured since high school because now I think that these decisions are really dumb. But, like, I haven't matured completely yet because her mom's reaction to this thing was, like, so ridiculous to me. I was like, I guess this is how adults think, but, like, this is silly. Like, it was all fine until she told Brooke. Yeah, it it was. Yikes. Um, That leads perfectly into my last question. Um, What do you think about Darcy did to Brooke and Ray and sabotaging their relationship? Um, Would you have done the same thing in her position? (sighs) No. I, like, cannot imagine doing what she did, like... I don't know. You know, here's the thing. It's not just that she did that to Ray. It's that she, or to Ray and Brooke. It's that she also did that to Jazz and Brooke. And I feel like after Jazz, maybe I would have done what she did with Jazz and Brooke, even though that was evil. That was such a bad thing that she did. But I would maybe do that if I was then to turn around and like ask her out. But, like, Darcy didn't do that. She just, like, kept pining after her and watched her be, like, really sad over what Mm -hmm. happened. And then, again, she, like, does it with Ray. It was just, like, really awful what she did. I don't think I would have done it. But I can understand why she did it. But I don't think I would have been able to do it. Even for me, that is a little too vicious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What about you? I would have done it. Wow. I'm 17. I'm doing it. I'm doing it so (laughs) That's why, you know what, I love messy characters and that's why I love Darcy so much because she was so messy. She was making bad decisions left and right. (laughs) And like, I also think it's funny that she just kept sabotaging Brooke's relationships, but not doing anything about it. She wasn't like, okay, like um, once she's not with Jazz anymore. So like, I'm going to make my move and now we'll date and it doesn't matter anymore because like we're perfect. We're soulmates. No, she just did it for fun not fun but like out of desperation um so I do think I would have done that back in the day well maybe now too um because I would think I wouldn't get caught (laughs) and then I would get caught it would play out the exact same way it's really bad like it it it's really like when the Ray thing happened it's just like dude you like kept doing it can't believe you said that you would have done the same thing I mean, you know what? All's fair in love and war. That's what I always say. Well, you know what, though? I will say that, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like 
a lot of the things Darcy did. And to be clear, I enjoyed reading about what Darcy did. Like, that made her really interesting that she was willing to, like, go to that extreme to keep this girl from dating someone else. But, like, I do feel like a lot of the things Darcy did... I was like, man, like, I could never see myself. Because, like, as a reader, it is so obvious that, like, her and Brooke are not going to happen. That, like, yeah. they like they find their best friends, but they just, like, wouldn't work in a relationship. And so, like, when they're, like, at Disneyland and she's, like, sobbing because Brooke and Ray, like, went out on their date and now they're, like, girlfriends. I was like, girl, I do not know why you're crying at Disneyland right now. Like, it's just, I feel like I was in Ainsley when Ainsley was like, dude, like, I don't know. I think you need to, like, get over this. I feel like in that moment as the reader, that's how I felt. I was like, I can't believe she's, like, yelling at these parents and their children at Disneyland right now because she's, like, so upset that her best friend, who, like, very clearly is not into her, poor Darcy it's sad it's sad but my my point with that is that like there were a lot of things Darcy did that I cannot personally see myself doing but that doesn't mean I don't understand why she was doing them and I feel like we kind of buried the lead here like we didn't explain what she did I know I know a lot of the people listening have listened to but some haven't so just for the record Darcy is running this locker advice column thing um, and her best friend is like, hey, it sends in a letter that's like, hey, I like this girl. And she knows it's from her best friend. And but her best friend doesn't know Darcy. Likes. Her best friend doesn't know Darcy is the one that answers the letter. Yeah, her best friend doesn't know Darcy's the one doing it. And so her best friend sends in a letter and it's like, hey, I like this girl. And the girl that she likes also sends in a letter. It's like, hey, I like this girl. So Darcy's sitting there with two letters that are like, they like each other. But Darcy likes her best friend. So she sabotages it. She's like, she gives them bad advice. Um, and she's then gonna, like and then, ignore them. Yeah. She's like, she's like, just don't, she's like, don't pursue it. Like this isn't, this ain't it. Um, and then she does that again. Right. No, she does something even worse. So her, oh, right, right, right. You has a, her best friend has a girlfriend now. And the, the reason they got together is actually because the girl wrote in and was basically like, I like this girl. I need advice. What should I do? And Darcy, not realizing that the the girl, Ray, is talking about her best friend, Brooke, uh, just, like, gives good advice and they get together. But then Ray writes in again and she's like, listen, like, last year we were both running for student council and I knew I was going to lose and I rigged the election so I would win. And I'm really worried she's going to find out because some, some of my friends know. And, like, I think I should tell her, but, like, what do I do? Like, please help me. Like, I'm not sure if, like, I should come clean or, like, what should I do? And Darcy doesn't respond to the letter. Darcy never responds to the letter, which really should include Ray in. But Darcy doesn't respond to the letter. And instead, in real life, in like a, in the heat of the moment, in this like argument with Brooke, tells Brooke that Ray like lied and that she like cheated in the election. And then Brooke and Ray like break up and they're both like miserable. And so it's just like, it's yeah so sorry that we didn't give context first that is the context for what we're talking about and caitlin says that she would have done both of those things apparently hey hey hey, hey. i could have <laughs> i never underestimate myself that's fair um hey but darcy brought it around in the end she's the reason well she helps them get back together she facilitates them getting back together she's not the reason but you know 
Yeah, she um, definitely, yeah, she definitely does facilitate them getting back together. And I, I don't, like, I think what Darcy learned through this whole process is, like, she genuinely is good at giving relationship advice. And, like, I think that's something that, like, and she, in the end, decides that she is going to keep doing it, but, like, in a different, kind of in a different way than just having people shove letters into a locker. Um, And so I feel like, I don't want to say this was, like, necessary for her to learn, but, like, I do think she learned, like, a really valuable lesson about, like, who she can take letter, like, who she can give advice to, like, how she should be giving advice. So I think it all, all's well that ends well. Like, no one at the end of the book is, like, angry at her for her actions. Yeah, it's resolved. It's resolved well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've done a lot. I did a lot of bad things. Just, like, really, like, inconsiderate things. So I'm not trying to say I'm above it. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like that specific thing, I don't think I could have done. That's all I'm saying. You know what? We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll we'll leave it at, we'll leave it at that. Let's let's move into queer corner. Okay, maybe we should do a poll on our Instagram of who do you think is more likely to sabotage their best friend's relationship? <laughs> all right, let's jump into queer corner, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys, another queer corner. What are we talking about today, Caitlin? We were talking about sex education, the TV show. The TV show. Not the general subject. To be queer. To, to be queer. <laughs> to be clear, we're not qualified to talk about sex education. <laughs> no, we are not. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about sex education, the Netflix TV show. Um, their new season comes out September 17th. Um, it's going to be their third season. And I love this show, Caitlin. What do you think about this show? I love the show. Am I the reason you watch the show? I think you are. And it's funny because you told me I should watch it. And I watched like the first episode or so. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just not really vibing with it. And then I was like, and then a couple weeks later, I gave it another chance. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so, so good. Man, it's a good show. It is a really good show. For all of our listeners, if you don't watch the show, like you definitely need to, do, you need to catch up before it comes out in September. All right, so let me take a quick second to explain what sex education is is about. So it is a TV show on Netflix. It comes out, um, or the third season comes out September 17th. And it's basically about these two kids at a British high school who one of the kids' moms is a sex therapist, a sex and relationship therapist. And so he starts giving out uh, basically advice about sex to his peers. Um, and it's really funny. And it's also, it actually is like kind of educational, um, you know, like the stuff that he talks about. Um, and yeah, so it's basically just about him, but it's really about a lot of the kids at the school and their intersecting lives. Um, and it's also like super queer, which is just really awesome to see. That's kind of what I mean. Also, when I say it's educational, I feel like not a lot of First of all, in schools, there's very little education about, like, sex and queer sex. And then, you know, like, in this show, no shows are really talking about that either. But the show kind of does, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's what the show is about. Did I do an okay job describing it? I think you did. Um, I, I've already said this. I love this show. It is quite good. Um, I find it very compelling. All the characters are really well, like, thought out. Um, One of my favorite parts is when, I think this is the second season because the mom's at the school giving 
sex advice? I don't remember the context. I haven't watched this since it came out. The mom is at the school because they realize that like the school's sex education department or whatever or curriculum is like really bad. So they invite her to the school to essentially like help with the curriculum. But I think she's also there. I don't know if she's like, I don't think she's like giving, I think she's there to like speak with students to hear what they want to learn about to kind of like yeah. help gauge but in the process she ends up giving advice to a lot of students yeah yeah um anyways one of my favorite parts is um when the girl who's ace comes in and she's like oh like I don't want to have sex like whatever like I'm broken and then Julian Anderson responds and she says if sex doesn't complete us how could you ever be broken I don't know that really that's really sweet to me that I feel like that's like part of the promo too for maybe the second season and I just see that on like Tumblr a lot and I feel like that's a good like thesis statement for that show because like everyone comes in and they're like there's something wrong with me like I'm having issues with sex or whatever but sex doesn't complete us so how could you ever be broken I know that part is like it's very it was very very touching and I think too like um you're right like that is like a reoccurring theme of the show at the start uh, or at the end of the first season the last episode this girl named lily who like the entire time like she's like anyone who wants to have sex with me like have sex with me right now and like otis the main character like asks her he's like why are you so desperate to have sex and she like i just watched this episode today which is why i'm kind of i i remember it so vividly um and she's like i'm afraid of like being left behind um Mm -hmm. it's just like like you said, it's very beautiful, like, what she says to this girl who, like, doesn't want to have sex at all, who's asexual, because, like, obviously that is something that asexual people need to hear, but I think it's also just beautiful because, like, it's something, like, a lot of teenagers need to hear. Um, yeah, so that is a wonderful part. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. And another thing, just one more thing that I would like to point out about the show that's really lovely is when um, Amy is, like, harassed slash assaulted on the bus. And then she, like, can't get on the bus. But, like, and so she, like, walks every day, like, hours. And then the one day that all of the girls show up with her to take the bus with her, like, that is so, that is so moving. That was really, really moving. Especially because for context, if you haven't seen the show, it wasn't like her best friends showed up. It was like one of her best friends, one of her friends that she like recently was like, you suck. I don't want to be around you. Like people she didn't even really know who just like she told this story to under certain circumstances and they all showed up for her. And so it was like a really beautiful moment where it's like they all come together. I agree. I also want to point out um, the icon that is Raheem. <laughs> I just watched the episode today. He's a character from season two and he's gay. And he's just like so cool. Like so yeah. cool. And he's just like they're in like a class where they're like talking about sex education. And he's just like, what about gay sex? Like, what about anal sex? Like, what like what's the best like lubricant to use? Like all this stuff. And like the teacher who's teaching is like obviously just like doesn't know how to like respond. And and thankfully like Otis's mom, the uh, the mom who like is a sex therapist is there and she like answers his questions. But he's really like it the way he asks those questions, like it's not really him like genuinely wanting to know. It's him almost like challenging the like status quo of the class. And it's just mm-hmm. like, really awesome. And then there's also a scene 
um, where like another gay boy like comes up to Raheem and he's like, I need like, I, I need you to tell me how to douche because like, I'm really embarrassed. And like, I want to have sex with my boyfriend, but like, I don't know how to douche. And Raheem's just like, well, if you're like too embarrassed to talk to your boyfriend about this, like you're probably not ready to like have sex with your boyfriend. So like, chew on that. And like, the boy's just like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know, like Raheem is just so awesome because he's like so cool. And just like, I feel like really like challenges like the school and the people, even like his peers to like think differently. Um, And he's just really awesome. Justice for Raheem in season three. I'll be looking. I'll be looking for that because he gets screwed over. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of really delightful uh, moments in the show. Are there any other queer characters on sex education, Caitlin, that really come to mind that are really um, you just really love? Um, I really love. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ola is an icon. Um, and I like that she's introduced as like a love interest for Otis, and then mm-hmm. like that doesn't work out, and she's just like, actually, I'm queer. Let's let's go, girls. Yeah. You know, and I also love. I just love everything about Ola. She's really cool. And I love the, like, pan and bisexuality, like, solidarity between her and Adam. I love that. Um, They're just really cute friends. Um, Yeah. And of course, of course, I'm just, like, running through every queer person in this entire show. But there is also Eric, who is, like, our our shining star. Our shining star. His storyline in the first season is, like, one of my favorite character arcs, like, on television. It's mm-hmm. so good. Just, like, watching, like, how he, like, really comes into himself. And he's like, I'm going to be who I am and be really brave about it. Um, I don't know. Just Eric is great. There's so many great queer characters um, in the show. And there's only going to be more, like, in the um, queer and really just everyone in the LGBTQ community. Um, I know, like, in the next season, there's going to be, like, a non-binary actor on the show. Um so I'm like right really excited to see how their storyline plays out because I really don't know much about them other than that. Um, so I think it's just I think the next season's going to be really good, and I'm I'm glad we're like talking about it. It's funny because it's very similar to Perfect on Paper, except Perfect on Paper is like PG thirteen. Would you even say it's no. PG thirteen, or is it just no? It's PG thirteen. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just about to say that I think on Goodreads, you know, like a lot of like book descriptions, they like reference other things. They're like a mix of this and this. I think literally on Perfume on Papers, like, like Netflix is sex education and something else. I don't remember what the other thing is, but it's very yeah, sad. Really, really good. Definitely go watch it, y'all. Yeah, please go watch it. And if you liked it, come tell us about it. DM us. Let's talk yeah. about it. DM us. And if you didn't like it, don't DM us. Yeah, don't DM us. We don't want to hear about it. <laughs> All right, Caitlin. So that wraps up another episode of Strange Love Book Club. Do you have anything you want to say to the fans at home? Um, thank you for listening, as always. Um, please follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We are at Strange Love Podcast. And also, please, if you listen to this podcast and you want us to talk about a certain book, please let us know because we're always on the look for our next our next read. Yeah, please DM us. Um, leave it in a review on iTunes. Please review us. You don't have to let <laughs> us know what book you want us to read there. But if you do like the podcast, please let us know there because that is always awesome. If you rate and review us, um, please share with your friends and family. You get the, you get the deal. 
let people know about the awesome conversations we're having here. Um, and we Hell don't, yeah. yes, and we don't know what book we'll be um, discussing next, but keep an eye out on our social media channels because we will let you know there. All right. I think that's it. Right, Caitlin? Yep. All righty. Thanks, guys. Bye, all. Go get rights.